want the money. I want the title. And I can get it because I'm already doing the work. You've thought it. Now it's time to actually believe it. You're listening to Her Next Career Move, the safe space where you'll learn how to stop your mind from career blocking you so you can claim the wealth and work you deserve. I'm Dr. Jasmine Escalera, a career-minded Latina turned Forbes featured coach, and I'm ready to have some candid conversations about how you can build the confidence to step into the career you know you deserve. All right, now let's get going. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Her Next Career Move. And I have to tell you, yes, I say this a lot. I'm really excited about this episode, but I am really excited about this episode because it's one of my favorite topics, imposter syndrome. And our guest is really going to lay it on you in terms of really figuring out the signs and symptoms of imposter syndrome, but more so she specializes in helping you to overcome imposter syndrome to really level up in your leadership. She is a dope Latina. And I have to say, she's really special to me because when I came to Miami, she was one of the first people who reached out and really just accepted me in the Miami space. She introduced me to all of her friends and she's just amazing. So Alejandra, come on down. Oh my God. Thank you. I'm smiling ear to ear. It is so, uh, thank you for introducing me. Thank you for your kind words. And I am more than happy to show you around Miami. I think it's a beautiful city and we have such a great addition with you in it. Oh, thank you so much. I do love Miami. Now remind me, are you from Miami? I'm not from Miami. I was born and raised in Maryland and went to the University of Maryland. I worked in DC for a little bit and then I moved down to Miami back in 2016. So I've been here for over six years, which is so wild to even state. And so this feels like home now. Absolutely. I feel the same way. I've only been here for about four-ish months and I'm already like integrated. So much so that I went to New Orleans over the weekend and somehow it was cold in New Orleans. I was really upset about that. And <laughs> I felt that cold weather and I was like, absolutely not. This is this is just ridiculous. I, I cannot tolerate this. And everyone that was there with me was like, aren't you the New Yorker? And I was like, no, <laughs> I was the New Yorker. Now I've got sunshine every day. So this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you the accommodation, like the way that I acclimated was also really fast. It's like, what, all you got to do is spend one winter in Miami and you'll just be completely changed. Absolutely. I feel it already. And what's your favorite thing about Miami? Oh, my favorite thing. Okay. My favorite thing about Miami is that you can do no matter who you are, you can find something for you. And so what I like to say is if you want to go and twerk at the park, you can twerk at the park. <laughs> if you want to go and do a meditation at the beach, there's a group for you. If you want to go and leave a club at 7 a.m. after watching some strippers, you can do that too. Like literally anything you want to do, you can do it here. And I love that. And I think with so many new people coming into the city, we're seeing things you know, change in positive ways. And I think people are beginning to see, oh, Miami's more than just like South. Beach, you know, clubs. Miami has so much to offer. And I think that's my favorite thing. It's no matter where you are, there's something here for you. I guarantee it. Oh, I absolutely love that. And I love how you talked about twerking in the park because I feel like that should be a pastime of mine. <laughs> <laughs> and it comes up because it's, I've seen it. I've been at the park having a picnic and there's people twerking on the tables. And I'm like, that's what, yeah, we're in Miami. It is what it is. Oh my God. I absolutely love that. That's so freaking funny. Um, okay. So twerking in the park. I am, I'm <laughs> keeping my eyes open for that and I will definitely be joining in on the festivities. So, <laughs> all right. Eyeballs open. All right, Alejandra. So give us your intro. Tell us a little bit about you, your business and how you started it. Oh yeah. Okay. So, well, you have done such a great job. My name is Alejandra. I am a career and leadership coach and I specifically work with Latinas to help them build confidence, overcome imposter syndrome in order to get promoted, make more money and feel great as leaders at work. And oh, my story, you know, I've done my best to condense it as I've done these podcasts over and over. 
But really, it's a story of being a first-gen Latina. Getting to college was uh, incredibly difficult for me. I didn't know what I was doing. And most of my friends were also first-gen immigrant, you know, daughter of immigrants or children of immigrants. And so we were just a bunch of people figuring it out on our own. And I eventually graduated from college. And after that, I worked as an admin assistant because I majored in sociology. I didn't know what the heck I was supposed to do. And what I knew was operations and admin. So I went into that route. And I I really spent the next seven years, Jasmine, just cycling through, you know, what I call shitty jobs, cycling through misaligned jobs. And I reached a point where it's kind of like the person that goes through all the relationships and it's like, I'm the common denominator here. Like I really reached a point where I was like, I'm going through all these jobs, but I'm still not happy. And so what's going on? And it was the first time that I had to really have a reckoning with myself and check myself and be like, who am I? And what do I want? And what does that look like in terms of work? And how do I contribute to the world? And those were all very difficult questions because I had never asked myself those questions. No one, quite frankly, had ever asked those questions of me. And so I really started my journey there. And, you know, serendipitously, I wound up at a company where I was interning and they had just opened up a career coaching department, which I had no intention of being in at all. But I started to feel that whisper, like, you know, that whisper that's like guiding you and it's like, oh, you want to try this out? I started to hear that. And I decided to give it, you know, just an exploration, like I'll help out here. And that's how I got introduced to career coaching. It was not my plan at all. It was like a new department. And I was like, I'll just help out. And once I started, everything just felt like it aligned. It's like the cliche, like the stars just felt like they aligned. And I recognized how much of my experience cycling through so many jobs, negotiating my salary, switching industries, switching careers. Like I was no stranger to switching careers. Like I was like, I've done this like five times over. And I never realized the kind of skills that I had developed in all those years and how I was able to apply them in coaching. And so I started, you know, basically as an apprentice, you know, just helping out, observing. And slowly I started to get more and more you know, responsibilities. And from there, I decided to branch off on my own because I wanted autonomy over who I worked with, which I knew were like women of color, Latinas, like I've always had a soft spot for that. And so that's what I do now. It's what got me into this business. I love that. And because I know you behind the scenes, I know that you're also a very spiritual person. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious because when I was listening to your story, I was kind of hearing words like I, I had this internal feeling. I had this internal sort of questioning of myself. And you even mentioned like hearing things, right? Like how has your spirituality helped you open up in your career to exploration? Oh, that is such a good question, Jasmine. And it's a first. So thank you. My spirituality, when I moved to Miami, I was in a relationship at that time. And the person I was in a relationship with wanted to move to Miami. And eventually we decided, okay, let's move to Miami. We moved to Miami and six weeks into Miami, the relationship was done. And this person was packing their stuff and they were moving back to Maryland. And that was my dark night of the soul, if you want to say. The next two years of me being in Miami really broke me down in order to build me back up anew. And from that, when I was in Miami those first couple of years, I didn't know spirituality. Like, I didn't know any of it. I didn't know like healing or inner child. Like, those words meant nothing to me because I didn't know what they meant. But it was through this process of being stripped away of everything I thought I was, like what it meant to not be someone's girlfriend, what it meant to not be, you know, the daughter of immigrant parents, because no one knew me. I was just here in a city, in a big city, and no one knew who I was. And I was able to develop who I was just on my own. And so that was the start of it. And my spirituality has grown so much since then. But what I always want to share about that part of my story is that it was in these darkest days that provided my brightest lessons. And I try to remind myself that all the time when I go through dark times, when I go through difficult times, because it was it was the catalyst for me to encounter and really develop myself spiritually and to honor myself spiritually. And so now it's been so many years and I've done different professional development programs, personal development programs, 
many different things that have helped me connect deeper and deeper. And what I'll say in the way that it helps me the most is that it always gives me the opportunity to realign myself when I get out of line. Meaning sometimes I start to just justify things because I think it's the right thing and it's the logical thing. And I see my clients do this all the time and I do it too. I'm human. Being that spiritual practice that I've cultivated allows me to sometimes get lost in the ego and then bring myself back and be like, wait a minute, something isn't right. Something isn't feeling good. What's going on? How are you spending your time? Who are you spending it with? That practice allows me to get back into alignment, usually quicker each time. It allows me to really be able to hone in on who I am and what I want to do. And that has been one of the biggest gifts for me. I, you know, I'll, I'll close this answer off by saying that One of the biggest gifts of a spiritual practice and building awareness about who I am is that I can no longer ignore the signs for as long as I used to that are telling me this is not right. You don't want to do this. This is misaligned. This isn't the right project for you. I used to be able to come up with so many excuses for so long, and now I'm starting to see that window close and close, and it's because I've cultivated so much of that spiritual practice that allows me to really hone in on what's that inner voice saying. I love that. Oh my gosh. I, you know, I connected so much to what you said. Well, all of it. And I connected a lot to when you said the dark times and the dark times being the place where you can learn almost sort of the most about yourself. And I want to just reiterate that for all the listeners, because we have some dark moments as women of color in our careers. We have some dark, challenging times where people are holding us back. And I want to make sure that we understand that too. There's systemic issues. There's the internal issues of of which Alejandra is going to tell you all about that. But it can be so challenging at times. But in those moments, you truly can learn the most about yourself. So I absolutely love that you said that. And I love how you integrate spirituality into your self-awareness, into knowing who you are, into knowing what to go for. And I am sure that that resonates so deeply in your coaching as well. So I truly believe that spiritual practices and mindset need to be integrated in the way that you think about your career. Um, And what do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've seen the way that my clients and spiritual practice is going to, you know, tweak and look different for different people. And so when I start working with my clients and we start going through you know, what are the things that are stopping you? What's getting in your way? How are your relationships like? You know, even though this work, and I'm sure you can uh, resonate with this too, even though our work is heavily in career, like we know that this impact goes way beyond the office. It goes way beyond jobs. I've had clients transform their relationships with their parents, with their siblings, with their kids, because the way that we show up and because of that spiritual practice. And so I always think that whenever we start to mend and heal parts of ourselves, it's going to go beyond, even if we're focused on career, for example, it's going to go beyond that. And the way that you start to reconnect with yourself, ground yourself, give space for yourself, that's always going to help you in personal and professional. And so I highly recommend that people find that for themselves. And some people find that through religion. And I think that's incredibly supportive if that's your path. And some people find that outside of that. And again, that works as well. One of my favorite books that I used to recommend and still will, depending on what clients I get, is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, a very powerful book that is quite a staple in the spiritual space. And it really is, if you just reread that one book over and over again, it really recenters you back to what is going on at this present moment. And I think that's always going to be beneficial no matter where you are, because we're going to go through difficult times outside of work and inside of work. And the more that we can prepare ourselves and our body and our spiritual practice to support us through those times, it's going to help no matter what situation it is. I have not read that book. So it is in the Amazon cart. That yes. is, yeah, that is definitely going to be there. And I wanted to make sure to hook onto this because I want the listeners to know who you are, how you coach, because it's so unique bringing those practices into your coaching. And it really does, it, it does resonate in all areas of your life. When you focus on yourself in one area and you build that self-awareness and you create that transformation, it's like that cup that just keeps overflowing. It is going to spill into other areas of your life. So thank you so much for sharing that. 
I also think it is so relevant to the topic we are talking about today, which is imposter syndrome, which truly is that inner voice that is talking (laughs) through BS to you all the time. Mm -hmm. So tell me, how would you define imposter syndrome? And for our listeners who are wondering if they are actually being afflicted by it, what are some of the signs of imposter syndrome? Yeah, absolutely. So imposter syndrome, I keep as a basic definition that's usually shared. And that's the feeling that you are ill-equipped, that you're not qualified enough, that you don't have the appropriate skills or abilities to complete a task. And the way that you know that can be showing up for you in terms of some of the language that I hear from people is, oh, you know, I've just, I've never done anything like that before. I just don't feel like I'm qualified enough. I don't match in like the job description. I don't match like a hundred percent of this job description. I'm not really sure if I'm the right person for this. What if I, what if I do it and I fail and I'm not good enough? What if they trust me to do this and then I fail them? Like, what does that mean about them? This is a lot of the language that is being used. A lot of the undertone is what if I'm not good enough? What if they see something in me and I actually don't have that? I actually don't possess that thing and I won't succeed at it. And so the biggest ways, you know, I focus a lot on, Latinas that are looking to break into leadership or are in that first leadership role and they're really struggling. So a lot of times it's really in the space of, oh, I can't apply for that or I can't go for that or I don't have enough experience for that. Those are the things to really tell if you are denying yourself of an opportunity before someone else even says no, that's usually a telling sign. The other one I'll say is if other people are encouraging you and inviting you to do a certain role or apply to a certain thing, and you're telling yourself you're not qualified enough, that's usually a pretty big flag that you're experiencing imposter syndrome because they see something that you're not seeing in yourself or that your voice is saying is not true of them. And so those are some of the ways that I see it. Another, the last one I'll say is in meetings, a big one, just in general with the people that I work with is like speaking up, speaking up in meetings. Like there's a lot of fear around what if I say something that's dumb or not important, or it's a waste of time or all, you know, different things like that. Sometimes that can be trickled in with some imposter syndrome as well. So wherever you are feeling like what you have is not good enough, where you don't think you are qualified enough. And especially if other people are kind of nudging you like that, they think this would be a good opportunity really big flags that you're experiencing imposter syndrome. Great definition. And I actually didn't know that I had imposter syndrome until I started my career coaching business and found out that there was even a term called imposter syndrome. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was walking around my whole career feeling Mm -hmm. everything you just described and not knowing what the hell was going on. But I do want to mention that I remember seeing a statistic that like 80% of people at some point are afflicted by imposter syndrome and imposter syndrome symptoms. But I tend to believe that women of color, Latinas, Black women, we experience it a lot. And also first gen, we experience it a lot. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of my thoughts, I think We'll go ahead and jump into this. Whenever I do a workshop on imposter syndrome is I always talk about internal environment and external environment. And you touched upon this. So I definitely want to make sure we highlight this because I think it's important. When it comes to imposter syndrome, it's so important that we understand both the internal environment and the external environment. The external environment, meaning the very real systems that are in place that define professionalism in a very specific way that is very white and very male and very straight and very able, like just all the things that things outside of that then become too aggressive, not professional, not good enough. And those things, those are very real systems that we have or managers that say, you know, discriminatory, racist remarks, sexist remarks. Those are very real things that we experience in the world that we have and the society that we have. And those are what I call external environment, meaning there are things outside of us that we in this very moment cannot control what that person's going to say or how that person's going to perceive me. Now, there's also the internal environment, meaning 
what are my thoughts about myself? What do I believe about myself? What do I think is possible for me to do? Uh, which in the, you know, coaching we call self-efficacy. Like what is the belief that when I say I can do something that I believe that I can do it and I will complete on it. And so that's the internal environment. And when we ignore one or the other, we get issues for both. So when we completely ignore the external environment, we can tend to gaslight ourselves like, oh, I'm just not good enough. Like, why can't I do it? Like, I I worked so hard and they still don't see my work. Like all these different things, you can gaslight yourself if you're completely ignoring the fact that there are very real systems in place that are going to make it more challenging for women, women of color, black women, and so forth in the workplace. And then if you completely ignore the internal environment, you're very often going to feel like a victim and like you can't do anything if you feel like you have no power in your internal environment. And so it's so important to look at both of those aspects right there. And so when you ask me the question, like, what are my thoughts about women of color, black women, you know, people of marginalized identities in our society experiencing imposter syndrome, I 100% believe that it is something that we experience at greater levels because of the experience we have in the workplace with different people have different experiences. Like I've personally seen how Black women have been treated differently in jobs that I've been in than me or than even my white counterparts. And so being able to see that these are real things that happen and that these conditions create experiences where we will more likely be possible for us to doubt ourselves and have that imposter syndrome come in, those are very real things. And I do think that it is something that people in general will experience, but that from my experience is a lot of people with marginalized identities that don't quite, quote unquote, fit in, we experience at higher levels. Absolutely. And I love that you touched upon the internal and the external because I sometimes wonder if it's like the chicken or the egg, right? Mm -hmm. Which comes first? Is it because I'm in the toxic workplace that I don't feel as confident and I've built this doubt around myself? Or is it because I stepped into the space feeling a little bit doubtful and lack of confidence because I'm a Latina? So Mm -hmm. it's almost kind of, to me, I, I do believe it is both. I do believe it is the external and the internal. And I'm so glad you had an opportunity to touch upon that. And also to talk about how the external could be affecting what you think about yourself and you gaslighting yourself. Because I think that's really important. We don't talk enough about how detrimental these toxic work environments are to just how we see ourselves and how they change our belief systems. I truly believe that toxic work environments cause trauma which cause you to change the way you see yourself, others, and the world. And that can really lean into the negative. So it changes you from being the person that you are into being more of a negative, doubtful, lack of confident version of you. So I'm so glad you had the opportunity to talk about that and touch upon how it could really be affecting your imposter syndrome as well. So thanks for the sharing of that. Yeah. And and one of the things you said that I really want to make sure people hear is I also agree that I think toxic workplaces cause trauma. And most of my clients, it's been so rare to find a client where this hasn't been the experience. Once we get into some digging and some coaching, many of my clients have had an experience that is exposed at some point throughout our coaching. That is where it is so clear to them. It is that aha moment for them where they go, that's where it started. That's where I started to doubt myself. That's where I started to think I wasn't going to be good enough. That's where I started to shut down my voice in meetings. It's like there's a moment or a manager, an experience that they had that they wind up recognizing that many times they had no clue. Like it was just, just passed by them. But once it's exposed, they can then connect the dots and go, oh my gosh, it's from that moment. That's where it came from. And that is so important to recognize so that if you have been in a place that is toxic, or if you have had a verbally abusive, emotionally abusive, or just a distressing work environment to really check in and see like, what are the things that you need to dissect and heal and find support through a therapist, through other avenues to be able to make sure that you heal from those because they definitely make an impact. I've seen it over and over again. And I don't work with like entry level folks. Most of the people I work with are like 10 years in and it'll sometimes be something that happened like five, six years ago. So I always encourage people to get the support because I do believe that it causes trauma and that it's important that people work through it. 
Absolutely. 100%. I agree with you. And healing from toxic workplaces is something that we all need to do. And I, I like that you talked about the experience because I have the same, the same thing happens with many of my clients where we'll be coaching and it's that one thing, that trigger thing that happened, but then it just keeps coming up. Um, so yeah, that's, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. I want us to talk a little bit about leadership because we talked about imposter syndrome, the internal, the external, the external factors, the causing of trauma. Let's loop back to imposter syndrome. When we think about imposter syndrome, we can definitely tell how from your definition, from the signs and symptoms, it can hold us back. How does it hold us back from getting those leadership positions and taking on those leadership roles? Because we all here want that seat. We want that seat for ourselves, of course, but also because we want to create change. So what stops us in terms of imposter syndrome from claiming that seat? Yeah, this is a really, really good one. And um, just so people know, I speak from my experience as a first-gen Latina and most of my clients are first-gen Latinas, which no surprise. And one of the big ways that imposter syndrome prevents us from taking a seat in a leadership role is that it has us deny ourselves of an opportunity before anyone else ever does. So that's number one. And so I'll go through this one first, and then I'll go through another way. I've had clients who have had people encourage them to apply to a job, who have had people tell them, like, we think that you're definitely manager capable, tell them that they think that they're ready for that next step, and they don't see it. And they think that it is not capable, not within their bandwidth, or there's so much fear of that failure of what will happen if they take it on and don't succeed. And so that is one big way that I see imposter syndrome stop people from stepping into leadership roles is they simply deny themselves before anyone else even gives them that opportunity. And the other way is when people, even if they, for example, think that they are capable of it, but they just have like a really hard time getting there. One of the big ways that imposter syndrome can really get in the way is just stopping people from even being able to take the steps necessary to step into a leadership role. And this is what I mean. When we step into a leadership role, this is a completely different dynamic. And we get to develop skills in order to be able to step into that role. And one of the big ways that we can develop those skills is already now, if you're, for example, what we say, an individual contributor, meaning you don't have any direct reports. Where you are now how do you begin to develop yourself right now in order to break into a leadership role? One, some of the things are going to be being able to contribute more in meetings, speak up more in meetings, share your ideas, be you know proactive, share these initiatives. Like it takes a lot of proactive, a lot of collaboration, and sometimes these are new skills for people to develop at work. And the way that imposter syndrome can really get in the way is people don't even if they imagine, they dream of like being a manager or a director, they have a really hard time believing that they in this moment can be a leader. In this moment, they can contribute. And that is such a big problem because I always say, if you want to be a leader, being a manager is just a subcategory. You can be a leader right now by the way that you show up, by how you contribute, by how you collaborate, by how you share your voice. All of those are ways for you to exhibit your leadership abilities. And imposter syndrome can really stop you from even starting right now because you're technically not a manager yet. So those are the two big ways that I see it show up and how people stop is denying themselves before anyone else even denies them and then not exhibiting your leadership skills and developing them at this moment, even if you're not in a managerial role. I love that. That's great. And I, you know, as you were speaking, I was kind of thinking about imposter syndrome and how it affected me in terms of my leadership. And I really think imposter syndrome, not just in terms of leadership, but in my career, stopped me from showcasing myself. Think you're being affected by imposter syndrome and it's truly holding you back from that level up move you want to make or even the pay you know you deserve? Then click the link in the show notes to download my imposter syndrome guidebook for free. It contains details and information on imposter syndrome, 
the five different types of imposter syndrome, and how to overcome it immediately. Link in show notes to download this free guide today. I was so doubtful of my capabilities and it stopped me from doing things like bragging about all the great things that I did. It stopped me from creating internal sponsors that could really speak about my work even when I wasn't in the room. It stopped me from showcasing my abilities. And I think that's another way that it can really stop you from obtaining those leadership roles because part of obtaining a leadership role is having people who champion you, but also who know that you are already doing the damn leading. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. It's like, Finding those things, I oh my gosh, celebrating yourself, sharing your accomplishments. These are the things that client, my clients definitely struggle with. So yeah, it's like believing that I can do this and it isn't doesn't mean anything about me. And there's a lot of cultural conditioning under that when it comes to celebrating yourself and sharing your accomplishments. But it's definitely something to work through because people need to know like what you're up to. They need to know how awesome you are in order for them to know that you are going to be a good fit. And I think one of the things that some of my clients do that is never helpful is thinking that your work is going to speak for itself. And like, one of the things I'll say is like, no, you got to speak for your work. Like John is not letting his work speak for himself. Bob is not letting his work speak for himself. Will is not letting his work speak for himself. Like they're speaking for it. And I always encourage my clients to do the same from a confident place so that they can share it without that, like, oh my gosh, I'm bragging. Oh my gosh, this is, you know, it's going to be uncomfortable, but it is so important to do in the workplace. Absolutely. Brag away, ladies. You've got to like <laughs> yourself out there. Hashtag like, brag away. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I, I, let's start that one 110%. So I also wanted to, you know, really take an opportunity to ask about your clients and how you help them overcome imposter syndrome. What are some of the things that you do with your clients? What are some of the tips that you give to them? And how does that help them break into leadership? Yeah. Okay. This is a good one. So I've created my own three-step framework for overcoming imposter syndrome. It just from talking about it so much and experiencing it myself. And I'll, I'll also add this here, by the way, I personally don't believe that we just crush imposter syndrome and it goes away forever. I believe that imposter syndrome appears when we are expanding to a new level. And it reminds me every time that when I'm experiencing it, it doesn't mean I'm a fraud. It doesn't mean that I'm phony for talking about imposter syndrome and here I am experiencing it. I just know, oh, I'm growing. This is a new level that I'm reaching. Okay. So I wanted to share that. Now, the three steps when I talk about imposter syndrome and the way that I support my clients the first step is awareness. So always helping my clients build awareness. Part of this is going back to like building awareness on what are your skills? What are your strengths? What jobs have you had? One of my questions that I really like to ask my clients is look back at all your managers. And if they had two words to describe you, what would those words be? And really being able to see like, what does that say about you? And thinking about how would your friends describe you? And sometimes asking them if you're having a hard time. So we do a lot of work on what's, you know, some people in career coaching may call it career clarity. I just say awareness, building a lot of awareness around why you are the way that you are, always questioning when you say like, oh, this is just the way I am. I've always been this way. I always question my clients when they say things like that. And so it's building awareness on who you are, your practices, what your thoughts are, your strengths, your skills, all these things. And once we build awareness on those things, from there, we talk about reframe. And so even if you're building awareness on like, oh, I'm experiencing imposter syndrome, I feel like I'm a fraud for applying to this role or because I've been promoted, I just had this conversation. Someone just got promoted to a VP role and they were like VP, like they just, I could just see it in their eyes. They were terrified. They were so scared of being promoted into a role like that and then failing. And so one of the things is like, okay, awareness. What are you experiencing? What are your thoughts? Brain dump it all. What are all the fears that you have about going into this job? Because we need to be able to have so much clarity and awareness on 
what is actually happening right now? And what is your brain making it mean and just dumping all of that so that it can just, it's like a release, like just get all of that out so that you can see. And one of the greatest things about these brain dumps is sometimes you'll like see things that you were thinking that you didn't even know you were thinking that you were like, oh, that's actually like pretty dark, or that's like really mean to say about myself. But putting light to all of that is always going to be such a great first step. And then the second thing is reframe. So that's my step number two, reframe. Meaning, how do you take the same content in the example I gave, this person was promoted into a VP role, how do you take the same situation and how do you take how you think about that situation, the same thing, and how do you actually make it into a different thing? The same content, how do you actually frame it into something else? And so this is where a lot of what we call in the coaching world, thought work. How do you actually work on what your thoughts are and what would you like to think instead that will actually support you? And I don't consider this to be like mantras. I actually really encourage people to think of a thought that is accessible to them. And so an example I like to give is, let's say you've spent your whole life really struggling with your body image and feeling beautiful and all of these different things. When I talk about thought work, versus mantras. Mantras might be something like, I'm the most beautiful woman in the world. When I think about thought work, I'm like, I want you to take the thought that is accessible to you right now that is going to be uncomfortable, but is accessible. Sometimes going all the way to like the extreme, like I am a beautiful person, even though it's true, can be so hard for the mind to actually grapple because it spent so much of its life thinking, I'm not beautiful. I'm not good enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not thick enough. I'm not all the things. So I always encourage my clients when they're reframing to capture a thought that is accessible to them that will be uncomfortable, but that they can work on. So that's reframe. We go through taking the same situation. What are you thinking about it? And what do you want to think about it instead that is accessible to you and not going to seem like some fairy tale where your brain just goes, that's impossible. And then the last step is embody. So I always support my clients in the embodiment section. And that's what coaching and weekly coaching is so great for is the embodiment section. So once we know, okay, I got promoted into a VP role. I had all these thoughts about it. Let's say the reframe is I am capable of learning everything I need to learn to succeed in this role. Let's just say that's the thought you're working with. In the embodiment phase, what we would do is we would go through, okay, how does someone who believes that about themselves, how do they show up? What do they think? What do they do? How do they feel? Like literally, how do they feel in their body when someone really believes, I am someone who is capable of learning what I need to learn to succeed in any role? How does that person feel? Is it discipline? Is it determined? Is it happy? Is it joyous? Like what, it, what are those things? And then what are the actions that that person takes? And then that's the work that we do on a week to week basis. We work on that. And so that's my three, three step process in like a super condensed, like I do workshops on these for three days, Jasmine, but like that's the super condensed version of the steps that I take and how we work through them is get super aware about the situation. What are the thoughts you want to think about it instead? And then how does that person feel? What does that person do? How does that person show up? What are they dressed like? Like all the things and then be that person on a day to day. And when you mess up, it's okay. You get back up and you try again and you be that person each and every day. I love that so much. Oh my gosh. There was so much value there. The thing that I connected to really the most, everything was fabulous. But the thing I connected to the most that I have to reiterate is your brain cannot go from zero to a hundred. I mm -hmm. say that to my clients all the time. Yeah. I love mantras. I love to tell myself that I'm the sugar, honey, iced tea every single day. <laughs> but if you are not feeling like the sugar, honey, iced tea today, that's not going to help. So mm -hmm. I love how you said create a reframe that you can actually grab onto something that mm -hmm. causes a little bit of uh, a little bit of uncomfort or discomfort but something that your brain can actually actually latch onto that is so incredibly important and we have to understand that because when we go too far out of the space our brain is just going to be like absolutely not mm -hmm. this is, this is not actually what we lying. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you lying to yourself, you lying to the world, you lying to everybody. But, so yes, I 100%. And I, I love the embodiment too. It's something that I really like to talk to my clients about as well when I talk about confidence is if you want to become the confident woman you want to be, what does she think about herself? What does she feel? And what does she do based off of those thoughts and feelings? Yes. So yeah, I'm I'm giving a lot of kudos to your framework there. This is so freaking good. And I can imagine how much work it really goes into in terms of your clients and coaching. So tell me one of the greatest success stories that your clients had based off of this framework. <sighs> okay. One of the greatest. All right. Oh, I'm going through three names. So let me just intentionally choose the one <laughs> that I want to go through. Okay. So I have a client who started working with me right around the time, just a couple months in, got promoted into their first director level role. And in this director level role, you know, first time it was relatively a new space. So it wasn't even, it wasn't completely new, but it was definitely a lot of new responsibilities working under a different manager. And there were some difficulties around that too. And so when we started to work together, there was a tremendous amount of struggle with speaking up. So this was one of the ones that it's like terrified to speak up and say something that is going to be stupid. What if they know that I don't know something like that one too is a big one. What if they know that I don't know and the fears that come around that. So speaking up was a really difficult one. Also the people pleasing. So resolving conflict was becoming a really big issue and being able to set boundaries was another one. So being like, Hey, like these are the things that are scheduled for this. And these are the things for that. So a lot of it was around setting boundaries around speaking up and around being able to feel capable of doing the role. And so this has been one of the most beautiful transformations. And I think a lot of it really has to do with just the amount of time we've been working together. This is someone who's decided to work with me for now a year almost. And so it's been so evident of just what happens when the embodiment is happening over and over and over again. And so literally from someone who had the most difficult time speaking up and could not, oh, emotions, by the way, Jasmine, like, God forbid you share an emotion, it's not okay. And so that was a big one too. Like, how do we showcase that emotions are okay? They are a human experience. This person would get a lot of feedback around like, you just like speak very diplomatically. Like it just, it was very evident to other people that she was holding back, that she was like putting herself in a certain way. And now like fast forward. So at this point, we'll, you know, we'll say eight months because we started to work on this is this person is leading meetings speaking up, encouraging other people to speak up in meetings, is now going to start her own one-on-ones, is sharing about her feelings and not unlike, you know, just doing it in a way that feels good, but that builds trust, being able to build trust with the team and then have team give her feedback. Like, I feel like you're just so helpful. Like you do, just being able to see her share parts of herself and feel safe and confident to do so while leading projects and getting the thing done and setting boundaries, even if the person is their manager, which is another thing, cultural context can be very difficult for Latinas, like this idea that I'm going to disagree with an elder, with someone older than me, that's very disrespectful. Like we had to do a lot of work on that. And now she's like setting boundaries and it's like going outside of the workplace. She stopped doing this hobby that she had been doing for so long because it didn't feel good. And she kept holding on to it because she felt bad and all these different things. And it's like, Her whole life has shifted so much with the way that she's beginning to remove things out of her life that are no longer aligned with her and doing the things that feel good and showing up at work. And I want to close this out, this part out by saying, I love doing the work that I do because I know that when I help other Latinas build that confidence, begin to show up powerfully, I always know that they are the type of people that are going to be like, you're coming with me. And they're always the ones that look back and say, hey, like, are you struggling? Like, let's talk. Do you want to do this? I noticed you haven't been speaking up. Is there something going on? Like, 
those are the people that I work with. They're the women that want to have that impact. And so when they get to a place where they feel confident and strong and they've gone through the imposter syndrome and they've gone through all of the self-doubt, they're they're the first to look back and be like, hey, I'm taking you with me. I've gone through that. I got you. Like We're going to get through this. And I love that. I love that because I know that my impact is just rippling. And because when they feel empowered, they are then rippling that impact forward and onward. And I think that's one of our biggest things is the Gandhi quote. It's like the change just starts from ourselves. We must be able to change ourselves first in order to be able to have the impact that I think so many women desire to have. Oh, I love that. And I felt the power in what you were talking about. It was just so powerful to hear you speak about your client. I also want to say you mentioned something about cultural context and speaking to elders and how that could actually hold you back in the workplace. Because here you are talking to who you presume is an authority figure, your boss, someone who supervises you, and the effect that your culture has on how you represent yourself and what you think of that individual and how you stop yourself from saying certain things, it's really prevalent. And I just figured that out actually very recently. I was having this journaling session with myself around a client, and she kept saying, like, I cannot disrespect authority. And I sat there and I was like so intrigued and so interested. And then I was like, oh my God, there it is, the cultural aspect. So I just want to pinpoint that, again, going back all the way to the beginning of our conversation, when we were just talking about imposter syndrome and talking about how challenging it can be for women of color, Black women, Latinas, marginalized communities, people from marginalized communities, It's really challenging because you're not just talking about the environment. You're talking about your culture. You're talking about society. There are so many different layers to how you see yourself in the world Mm -hmm. and how you act or don't act. So what a great combo. And kudos to your client. That sounds like an immense transformation. I also love how you said she's been working with you for quite some time. The transformation doesn't come overnight, y'all. This is work. (laughs) (laughs) This is work. That is so real. This is work. And I love like, I love that it's been, you know, as long as it has, because it shows the evidence of what is possible when we put in the work consistently. And that work is a challenge. And it's so important for us to have support and to have people around us that are supporting us through that journey if we desire to grow. And be able to have that support because it is work, I know. (laughs) Definitely. So Alejandra, you gave us some amazing gems. And I have one more question for you. I ask this of every single expert that has come on. It is challenging starting our careers as Latinas, as women of color. It is really hard. And so I would love to know if you could go back in time to that version of you that started her career and give her a piece of advice, something that you know now, especially with all of your immense knowledge and coaching others, what would be a piece of advice that you would give to her? Oh, okay. I think the biggest piece of advice. So for those listening, I, I am an introvert. I am an INFJ in Myers-Briggs. And for me, one of the things that I would certainly go back and tell myself is to not get overwhelmed by the idea of networking and to focus on building relationships. Build relationships with people from all walks of life. I look back and I wish I would have built relationships with the CFO, with the social media coordinator, with the HR, with all the different types of people. And I know for myself where feeling good enough showed up, especially around like other white men that I deemed to be like powerful, like in, in authority of figures, I never felt comfortable talking to them. Like I could just feel it in my body. Like I was not comfortable and I can look back and I just wish that I would have built relationships with people from all walks of life, because that is gold when it comes to your career, learning from other people and learning about their experience and allowing them to learn about you is one of the most beneficial things you can do for yourself early in your career so that you can expose yourself to different opportunities, to different people, to different perspectives. It is a gold mine. And that's what I'd go back and tell myself. <laughs> 
I love that advice because I wish I could go back and tell myself that too. I consider myself to be an introvert as well. In fact, people exhaust me. (laughs) (laughs) When I am around them, it's like I need a nap for about a week. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So I wish I would would be able to tell myself that too because I 110% agree. And if y'all haven't read the memo by Minda Hart, she does talk about this in her book about being a black woman and how challenging it was for her to network, but how it really changed the scope of her career. So I agree 110%. Alejandra, this was amazing. Now you have to tell us what's going on with you and your business and how can the listeners connect with you and learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things I am most excited about is that I am launching a group coaching program for Latina professionals that are ready, that are like, I'm ready. 2023 is the year where I'm done playing games. I don't want to mess around with my self-doubt anymore. I want to overcome imposter syndrome. I want to feel confident and really show up as a leader at work. This is what that is about. And I specifically made it into a group coaching program because I want there to be a community aspect to it. Community is something that I just love so dearly. I think it is so incredibly powerful for us to be in community. And there's something so special about when Latinas come together that I think it's this like, I see you, you see me kind of energy. And so that is what I'm most excited about. It is open for applications, for enrollments. People can just book a call with me and we can talk more about it. It's a six month group coaching program designed to launch you into confident leadership and really be surrounded by other women that are ready to uplift you. Now in my business, I'm also open for one-on-one coaching. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm most active on LinkedIn, which is where originally I found you, Jasmine. I'm most active on LinkedIn. So you can connect with me on there. That is going to be AI Hernandez on LinkedIn. It's going to be Empower Change, E-M-P-O-W-H-E-R, Change. And those are the places. Holler at me, DM me, connect with me. I'm so always happy to hear from people on what you got out of this podcast. Like, again, as an introvert, my juice is just like these one-on-ones conversations. So send me a DM. They light me up. I love being able to connect with people in these like intimate settings, like podcasts. This has just been so lovely. So that's, that's everything up with me. I love it. Everybody, please go ahead and check out Alejandra. Your program sounds absolutely amazing. Everybody go ahead and check out more info. We're going to drop everything related to Alejandra and her program that's coming up in the show notes. So check it out. And Alejandra, this was amazing. I'm going to agree with you that also as an introvert, these one-on-one sessions, these one-on-one opportunities to chat with amazing women like you really light me up and bring me joy. I also want to mention, going back to the beginning of our conversation around spirituality, there was a moment when you were talking about your client that I looked over to the time and it said 444. And I literally got the biggest smile on my face because (laughs) I was like, yeah, this is a gem of a conversation. It is a special conversation and people need to hear this conversation. So, so happy you listeners are here. Alejandra, thank you so much for this opportunity and please go and check her out. Thank you, Jasmine. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. All right, listeners, until next time. Bye. That's all for today's show. Now that you know what you know, It's your move. So girl, get out there and make it. And if you have suggestions for topics you'd like me to talk about in the next episode, perhaps something that might help you get unstuck, then let me know by sending a DM on our Instagram page, at Her Next Career Move. Don't forget to leave us a rating. And subscribe to the show to support our movement to flood the work world with dope women of color ready to take it over.